I've always enjoyed traveling around and I never did the gap year when I was young. I went straight from school to starting working first as a graphic designer uh, where I got my education and then got into radio and found my passion in that. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is very far away from me. He is actually sitting between Brisbane and Cairns in Australia, but um, he's an interesting man. He's a full-time nomad. He is a radio podcast, travel podcaster, radio host. I checked on him on social media. He is a lot of things, and we're going to find out more about him during this interview, I am sure. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Balebo. How are you? I am very good, Elizabeth, and it's so good to finally meet you. I'm just so bummed that uh, we didn't know each other when I was in Cyprus. Uh, well, eight months ago, I think. Uh, I think it was in. Yeah, yeah, or uh, maybe, maybe it's um, uh, a bit more than that. But I, yeah, I was uh, touring around Cyprus and it would have been cool to meet you. But that gives me another reason to uh, come back because I have so much more to see. Exactly. That was That's what I was going to say now. Then you'll just have to come back. That's a good reason. And that's a good <laughs> question that I want to ask you now, because I think Australia is your 102nd or 103rd country. I saw somewhere. 116. 116. And th- my question now is, do you visit countries twice or is this not something that you normally do? Oh, yes, I do. I do. And uh, I do that quite a lot, actually. Uh, And sometimes it's because I feel I'm not really finished. Uh, Maybe it's because I loved it so much, so I keep coming back. Uh, Or maybe it's because it didn't really make an impression on me. And I feel it's being unfair to the country. You want to give it another chance. Yeah, uh, a good example of that. I haven't been there the second time was, um, you know, people always ask travelers like you and me, uh, what's your favorite country? And I always say Cape Town and uh, South Africa. And then they say, what's your least favorite country? And I really don't like that question. And for a long time, I was saying Mauritania, you know, between Morocco, Western Sahara and, and down to Senegal. But I only just went through. I was uh, doing a road trip uh, from Morocco all the way down to Guinea-Bissau in Guinea. And I basically just spent a day and a half driving through uh, on bad roads, trying to avoid hitting cows and goats and stuff that was going over and potholes. And then I spent one night there. I didn't go out exploring. And um, so it didn't seem that interesting to me. And then I have a, 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 a friend of mine who's traveled even more than me. He he said, what do you mean? I love that country. And he spent a, a week and a half there and really loved it. So I feel it's unfair to Mauritania that I put that out as something that I didn't really like because I, I, I didn't spend enough time there. So that's something that made me put that back on the list of countries that I want to go back to and see again and and really find out if I was right or wrong. Yeah. And you know, another thing that I believe is that um, it always also depends a little bit on how we personally feel at this moment in our life, you know, in what state we are. Because when I was a tour guide, I used to have people traveling with me 
and they were just unhappy. They weren't, they didn't live a happy life and you could have taken them anywhere to the most, or I used to take them to the most beautiful place in the world and they found something to complain about. So mm -hmm. um, I think, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a very, very, that, that thing about which country do you like most or which country do you like the least is difficult. It's a difficult question yeah. or, or it's something that you can't really answer. It's true. It's true. Did you sometimes get the reviews? Oh, it was raining two stars. Exactly. I had a client, I had a woman who complained because there was a light, a slight tremor. It wasn't even an earthquake, but she was complaining about me that I took her into an earthquake in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, okay. She didn't like me. Interesting. That was clear. But, <laughs> so, but, you know, just to tell you the things that you put up with. So, because personally myself, I, I can't say which one is my favorite country and which one is my least favorite country. Because, first of all, I love the world. I love everything. Yeah. And I don't love yeah. everything. I'm not that naive. But I try to find the best in every place. Yeah, yeah. And it's more easy for me to make a top 10 uh, mm -hmm. that is that is not prioritized where yeah. it's um, these are really countries that I really love and I want to go back and explore more in. I can I can do that. But once I get started, I'm sure it's going to be a top 20. And and then also when I speak to people, I say, oh, what are your greatest uh, cities uh, that you've visited? Not that I'm 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 not going for big cities only. I'm also doing that, and then I tend to think of uh, cities outside of Europe because I grew up in Denmark, and 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 then they say, well, what about European cities? Oh, wait a minute. Then I can really think of a lot of cities in Europe that are so amazing. Yeah, I, uh, sometimes what's in in the backyard is something we forget uh, mm -hmm. how how great it is. Um, yeah. But obviously, Denmark is the best country in the world. That's so that's for sure. <laughs> but you, you see, this is the thing. I think COVID or the pandemic gave many people the opportunity to reconnect with their own country or with the right. place where they were. But what? But like in in the, I was here in Cyprus, and um, I love hiking and I do a lot of stuff. But um, I did. Yeah even discover Cyprus even more. Where were you during the pandemic? Uh, traveling around the world. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, uh, I was during the pandemic, I was in five continents and uh, 35 countries until the pandemic sort of uh, fizzled over. But uh, I was uh, in the, the hardest lockdown. I managed to make it down to my favorite city, Cape Town, and, and oh, get wow. stuck there. Um, That's a nice I was place in to Bali. be stuck in. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, and uh, I was in Bali when it broke out and, and we didn't really know what what is this. And uh, we heard some people say, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. I'm going I'm going back home now. And I, I spoke to a Swedish guy and we were just laughing and said, oh, that guy, he's just so hysterical. Come on. This is just a some kind of flu or something. Mm -hmm. So I I <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, thinking back. Uh, and then after that, I, I went to Europe because uh, there was a ITB, um, a big media, no, travel fair in uh, in Berlin that I wanted to attend. Uh, so I went to Qatar and then to Denmark and then I went to Berlin. When I boarded the plane to go to Berlin, the thing, the whole event had been cancelled. 
I thought, well, I got the plane ticket, non-refundable. I got a place to stay. And also uh, I'm doing some work for a travel conference that was to have a conference in Sicily. And they already booked my flight uh, from Berlin. So I thought, yeah, well, whatever. Let me, instead of sitting somewhere in Denmark working where I don't have a home, let me go to the hostel in, in Berlin and just do some work there. Maybe there are other travelers uh, who, who made it there who had non-refundable tickets. And yeah, there were. We I went to a travel mass event and we were a lot of old friends there and giving hugs and uh, <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking but still it was early March and still we didn't really know how bad it was and then the the travel uh, content creation uh, conference TBEX uh, was uh, cancelled in Sicily so all of a sudden I had no flights to Sicily I've requested them. They booked a flight from Berlin to Sicily and then from Sicily after the conference to uh, to Cape Town. I thought, okay, let me see if there's another way I can get to Cape Town. And uh, I found a flight to Egypt, spent five days in Egypt and got to Cape Town on March the 12th, where the next day things shut down, like really shut down. And that's when it dawned on me, okay, this is serious. And I didn't, I, I maybe I was in some kind of denial about how crazy this was, but I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a month in Cape Town during this lockdown thing. And I ended up staying nine months there. It, like you say, it's, it's not the worst place to be stuck. I have so many close friends there and, uh, when we were able to leave the apartment because the Cape Town on South Africa had a very strict uh, lockdown. Like for one, they took away the wine. Can you believe it? It was a complete alcohol ban. And that was one of the reasons I went there to get some South African wine. I, I, and I didn't oh know God. the president. I heard about it Saturday morning when I came down to the supermarket to get a bottle of wine for the weekend. And um, apparently the president uh, was on TV Friday night saying we're uh, we're having an alcohol ban starting right now. So there was no warning. There was no way to stock up. So I went uh, a long time without wine until my local friends uh, and and they, the curfew started being at nine o'clock at night. So we could meet uh, late afternoon, early night and just make sure that we were home by nine o'clock. And then it became 11 o'clock. And somehow people are creative uh, in South Africa. So they managed to uh, find a friend who had a friend who worked at a winery and uh, we could we could uh, get some some uh, bottles of wine without labels and stuff like that. Uh, so we were we were uh, flying under the radar and breaking the rules and uh, but that's all part of the experience. How amazing. I mean this I I've got a very very similar story to tell you because I was in complete denial. I thought, you know, this is rubbish. We've had MERS yeah. and SARS and Ebola and all this oh, rubbish. Come on. And it takes 2 weeks and then it's over and my daughter was traveling in South America. She was doing this workaway thing and I I had arranged to meet her in Buenos Aires. And on the 11th of March, I flew from Cyprus via Switzerland to Buenos Aires, you know, like an 18 hours flight. And I arrived on the 12th. And on the 13th, mm -hmm. we were told, we went on a walking tour and we were told that anybody who hasn't been here for at least two weeks is not allowed to participate in the tour. That was the one thing. And that the country is going to close down on the 16th to all flights to Europe. So I had to get the hell out of there as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. 
And I made mm-hmm. it to Switzerland. And then when I landed in Switzerland, I found out that Cyprus was imposing a two weeks quarantine in a hotel to everybody who arrives. And I right. wanted to come back home. Cyprus, I'm home here. So my husband is here. So I actually was one of the first people who ended up two weeks in the, I had a great time though. I was in a nice hotel yeah. by the beach with a balcony yeah. and had two weeks of peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never been in quarantine anywhere. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because uh, from November 2020, I've been traveling again full time from place to place to place. And uh, actually, another thing, Elizabeth, when when I when I was in Cape Town, I'd been traveling full time for three and a half years, and I I keep track of where I stay and uh, where I am, and it's kind of my thing, uh, a bit of a geek on that, and uh, and so I could make a calculation. Okay, I've been traveling this long time, and I've been staying in this many places, and my average in one place, and this is gonna sound crazy was three and a half days in one place before packing and unpacking. Obviously, sometimes I stayed a bit longer. And then sometimes I've done a road trip where it's just going to be one night. uh, But it's it's it sounds crazy and kind of is. But I was um, I I rented an apartment from a friend of mine in, in, in Greenpoint in Cape Town, most one of my favorite places in Cape Town. And the apartment was amazing and I got a really good deal at it. But then at the same time, I was going crazy because I saw the same place all the time. And I'm so used to moving. You couldn't go for a run. You couldn't go for a walk. You could only go for shopping. And I was right on top of the Woolworth in in Greenpoint. So I could just go downstairs, have a few, a little chat with the the woman uh, at the reception there. And uh, and then go to the supermarket and I didn't see anyone. And uh, then I realized, yeah, I might not be able to get a flight out of the country, but I can still move within Cape Town. I uh, when they started uh, having the uh, not the, um, the the total lockdown, uh, so I I moved five times when I was in Cape Town. I moved to the CBD. I moved to Hout Bay, uh, where my friends lived. And then I moved uh, 500 meters within Hout Bay, uh, just south of Cape Town City, to another apartment because I just needed the change and the packing and unpacking. Uh, and then I have uh, a very good friend who um, who has a big um, uh, house in um, in Camps Bay, and uh, he has divided that into apartments. So I rented an apartment with him and um, and hung out with him for the rest of the time. But yeah, I was still moving within when I was not able to. Because you just can't help it. You're, you're, and this, this is normally how I start this podcast. My question normally is, how did this start? When were you on a plane the first time? Uh, oh, uh, we're starting the interview now. We're Let's... starting the interview. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, when I was on a plane, I guess I was um, close to ten years old. Uh, I come from a, a family that's 
yeah, kind of middle class. Uh, we, I have three siblings, so we were four kids, and uh, some of my friends uh, they would go to Mallorca from Denmark or the Gran Canaria or somewhere uh, in Italy um, and get on a plane. And uh, we didn't do that. We vacationed every summer, uh, but only within Denmark. So I've been to every single corner of Denmark, and it was really a family tradition that we would um, rent a, a summer cottage by the beach somewhere in Denmark and always different places. So we traveled within Denmark. But then my mother's um, sister and her family took a gap year. I don't even know why, but they went to Tenerife and uh, and then we went to, to visit them and I got on a flight uh, for the first time and um, was there. And, and even though I was just a, a kid, I, I I remember it very vividly because that was really a unique experience uh, for me to go there. That's probably when you caught the travel bug because it must have started somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've always enjoyed traveling around and I never did the gap year when I was young. I went straight from school to starting working uh, first as a graphic designer uh, where I got my education and then got into radio and found my passion in that. Been really having a wonderful life doing the radio thing, but that that also gave me the opportunity to uh, to go to uh, some exotic places for radio conferences, um, both within Europe and, and also uh, to the US. And then uh, at a later time, I was able to become a speaker and speak at conferences and uh, had the opportunity with that to go to Iran and Iraq and India and uh, some more exotic places uh, with, uh, with that. And uh, I think that was more in my adulthood that I really caught the bug because um, somehow... If I was uh, even even just going to Italy or Spain and walking around in a market, hearing the different sounds in the background and smelling the different spices on the market and hearing the languages being spoken in the background, and maybe just the, even the, just the light, the way that it was different from where I came from, the sunlight and the sunset. And I don't know, it just opened my senses. So every time I would do my one week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks of vacation, I would feel so creative and I would get so many ideas uh, of something that had nothing to do with what I was seeing. Uh, the way they were decorating a shop, the a sign, a logo, or it would give me an idea. Oh, and so I always had a notepad and then wrote down uh, every little kind of thing that came into my mind. And I I think it was actually more around there that I, I I really called it. I think I call this thing, it's the thing that makes your heart sing. I think when you find out what mm. you were just describing before, being on, you know, being in different places, being on the market, smelling, hearing, it's using all your senses and and um, really, really realizing where you are and also realizing how good life is, you know, how beautiful yeah. life is. I think that's yeah. that's the thing that uh, I've noticed that people who travel often share, you know, it's this appreciation of life a lot more. And I also think it's understanding at the end that the world is really small. We are all the same people. We are all the same people, all 
people that I've met around the world, yeah, the cultures are different and the way we're living is so different. I am just um, uh, putting out episodes from my trip to Saudi Arabia and it is so different and the way they live there. But I try to understand why is it the way that it is because it's so easy being from the outside and looking in and saying, oh, um, what a horrible place and uh, the way they're treating uh, women and um LGBTQ and um, um, there's so many things that is so different from the way we think and and we assume that we are right and they're wrong. But sometimes it's a good idea to to see. Sure, there are things that are not right about that uh, that I strongly disagree with. But at the same time, we also need to keep an open mind. And some of the, just speaking of Saudi Arabia, there was some of the most friendly, helpful people. Actually, I've seen that in in a lot of Islamic uh, countries, that they are so helpful and so eager to uh, to get to know you. And hospitality. There. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So many people that's been to Iran. Uh, if if you say what's the what's where are the friendliest people? I nine out of ten would say Iran, and I had the similar experience in Iran, but even just as much when I was in uh, in Saudi Arabia. I went to a gas station in the morning. We were doing a road trip, me and my friend, and um, I just wanted to get something for breakfast, just a croissant or something that I could eat in the car. And uh, they didn't accept Visa card or MasterCard, and uh, they only accepted the local Mata card. And I, okay, that's okay. I'll just find something elsewhere. And then there was a random customer there, and it was not a, like a rich shake. It was uh, a very common-looking guy uh, working in his truck. He said, "No, let me pay for you." And I said, "No, I can't let you do that." Yeah, sure, sure. What do you want? And then I said, "Well, this croissant." Yeah, do that. But you need more. You need some. And then he walked around with me in the shop and and uh, put some juice in a basket and some biscuits and some chips and some. You need this and this and this and this. And I went out of there with a full plastic bag full of stuff. And for him, it was very, of course, there's a guy in need, so I help him. And I think that's very much a part of their culture. And it happened to me twice. It wasn't the only time it happened. It was mind-blowing and so different. I bet you, you would not do that in Denmark or Switzerland uh, and, and many other uh, countries. It's so rare and uh, such a warm feeling. Yeah, I, I totally get you. And uh, my daughter traveled in Iran for six weeks and she was just delighted. She loved the people. Mm-hmm. She loved the place. I haven't been and it's on my definitely on my list of things to do. And what you're saying about hospitality, I mean, this is definitely... Cyprus is very far in the Eastern Mediterranean. We are part of the Middle East geographically. I love, that's the one thing that I love so much about here. You know, the, your biggest worry really is that somebody would leave your house hungry. You want to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. you know, that everybody has enough to eat. And and this is the thing yeah. that I notice in our neighboring countries, Lebanon, Syria, yeah. uh, Egypt, all this area. And and you, you're saying, Iran, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Saudi because I had seen that you've been to Saudi. Do you think mm-hmm. Saudi is, because from what I understand, they want to open up a little bit more to tourism. Oh. Is Saudi Arabia oh. ready for tourism? Yes, absolutely. And if you want to go to a country that's not overrun by tourists yet, now is the time to go. 
they're really getting ready and um and they've got so much to offer and and yeah they opened up i think 3 years ago Be- before that it was so hard to get in without having a personal invitation or a reason to be in the country but now if they they've got this 2030 plan um um also bidding for the world expo in 2030 i, I think even also the fifa world cup uh, I don't think they'll get that because it was just in Qatar uh, uh, and a lot of controversy about that. And they also have maybe an issue with migrant workers, but but they're really, really opening up. And um, I saw a guy, it's actually the picture of that is in in the episode that I just published um, when we're speaking now. I don't know when you're going to publish this, but it's, um, it's the episode... Uh, number three of the travel episodes from Saudi. There's a guy wearing a t-shirt where on the back it says change in progress. And and there was this young guy and he worked with a a young Saudi girl that I did an interview with. um, And she, she does um, uh, selling tours and stuff. And, and her, she was not wearing any head covering. She was wearing some hip clothes. And, and I, I did an interview with her about, what she does and also about the country. And, and then I, at the end, I say, how did you learn to speak so well English and sell oh, from, from movies and, mm-hmm. and music? And then she said, thank you, Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, this is, this is propaganda and media and people who dislike other people who create mm-hmm. this idea and pass it on to the gullible people who like to believe it. And yeah. it's not like that. No, there are definitely. I, I also did an episode with the good and the bad about Saudi, uh, where I share what I think uh, my personal opinion about what is good about the country and what needs to be improved especially if they want to um be accepted as this um outgoing but but still keep the culture and because they my god they got so much history they got so much to offer and uh and so much natural beauty um uh, the whole area around alula um uh, with natural rock formations uh, is astonishing and i could see that they're really getting ready because it was just there before maybe some of the local saudis went there and could appreciate it but i can see that they're really uh, getting ready to welcome uh, a lot of tourists and uh yeah they, they, they have a lot to offer and we started by talking about countries that i would go back to and that is definitely on my list maybe go back in five years and see the change because i feel that there's so much that's going to happen in the next five years uh, up to uh, 2030 yeah interesting interesting place yeah and and it's a huge country you know there is a it's it's absolutely huge when you compare it to like the united arab emirates which is just a few towns a few cities oh yeah it's amazingly big I rented a car and in 10 days, me and my friend, we drove 4,000 kilometers, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah. going from Riyadh to, to the other coast and yeah. and then back to Riyadh. So yeah, we did a lot of, of driving, but it, it's a great country to do a road trip I'm in. I'm sure and, it uh, is. And people often have this misconception, which is just created by by a few. And I think just when you were mentioning another country that is really, really up and coming and that I visited the first time in 2011, I think, and I've been going regularly is Albania because mm. um, that too has, when I went the first time, the roads oh. were rubbish. There was, and they are getting ready or they are ready, really. Uh, yeah. 
I'm so glad that you're mentioning that because that was that year that I visited uh, Albania, that just blew me away. I was in Greece and I have this thing that where I say, oh, yeah, I'm trying to go to every country in the world. And I wanted to go to the whole uh, region with the Bosnia and um, Montenegro and uh, all, all, yeah, the, the Balkan area. And I thought, well, between Greece and there, well, yeah, Albania. So let me go and see what it's like. I wasn't, I had no expectations. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it blew me away. And it's really, I could see that becoming the next big thing. And I didn't even go to the coast. I saw some pictures of the coastline and I, I can see that it's beautiful, like Montenegro and, and, and Croatia. And there's, yeah, it's such a beautiful country with so many wonderful people and, um, um, Tirana is a wonderful city. Uh, I think it also helped that I just before, uh, like a few months before, I got a random friend request from from a guy uh, from Albania. I I get I get a lot of friend requests because they can see okay I do some travel and uh, and then uh, this guy worked in tourism uh, and I accepted uh, the friend request and said that I'm actually going to Albania and then. Um, he said, oh, we should meet. And then he showed me around and he uh, is now one of my good friends. And, uh, and yeah, shout out to Adam. And uh, that I'm sure that might also be a part of why I, I really liked it so much. But um, yeah, I got to see so many things there. Yeah, I I know. I mean, I I there's the south of Albania. There is certain beaches in the south of Albania which uh, look just like the Caribbean. I mean, it's just, it's it's uh, and um, the whole, as you mentioned, the whole of the, all the Balkan countries. I love Bosnia. I love Sarajevo. So oh, many yeah. places that people don't want to hear about. Many okay, I'm not mm. talking about, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I went to Mostar, obviously a place yes. with a, a lot of dark history as yes. well, but important yes. for the, to visit. I didn't go to Sarajevo, uh, so I want to go back. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but but then but then yeah, may, maybe one of the reasons that I liked it so much, Albania, uh, was that I had no expectations, and uh, whereas I had very high expectations of uh, Croatia, and it was okay, but it didn't blow me away. In the same way, I've been back in 2022 uh, and um, yeah, I was in Split uh, and uh, Pristina and I can see what it's all about. It is, it is an amazing country, but um, I would say the coastline and the landscapes are even more astonishing in Montenegro uh, than they yes. are in Croatia. Yeah, but, but all that that whole region is unbelievable. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, now that we're talking, it's just the world is very beautiful, and there is beauty. There. But you see, there is beauty everywhere if you want to see it. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to see it. You have to really put your mind to it and see things. There is something else that I had made a note of. You wanted to dive in the barrier reef. And you did. <laughs> I did. When 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 I started planning to uh, to travel, it was three years before I actually did because I, I it was in 2012 13 that I thought, okay, I can see in 2016 my youngest will graduate and move out of the country. So I started planning, and I went totally into planning mode for um, two three years, and 
a part of the preparation was to get a become a, a certified scuba diver because I knew that at some point I would be at the Great Barrier Reef, and so I I did my paddy license uh, when I was in Denmark in freezing cold water with almost no visibility. Uh, not the best place to get it. It's, it's better in warm blue water, but uh, yeah, I got it there. But that was my part of my preparation because I wanted to uh, go scuba diving. And since then, I've been diving um, quite a few places around the world, but uh, my really my bucket list came um, a week and a half ago when I got to Great Barrier Reef and, and got to Cairns. And I went on a three-day uh, trip uh, living on a boat. Uh, I did eight dives, dives in, 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 in some different reefs in the Great Barrier Reef. And um, speaking about how I was um, disappointed with some of the countries that I have high expectations of, I was a little bit afraid. Am I going to be disappointed? Because I've really set myself up to this is uh, the best thing. And no, it it exceeded my expectations, and uh, it was it was amazing. Are you a scuba diver? Well, I was just going to tell you because you say that you learned to dive in then in the dark uh, waters of Denmark. I was working at at the tender age of twenty five. I was sent for five months to the Maldives. I was so bored that I learned to scuba dive. There was no internet. There was I, I lived on an island where you can walk around in 10 minutes for five months. Okay. So I dove myself to death, really. <laughs> because there wasn't much else to do. I used to windsurf from one island to the other, and I used to read, of course, but you know, how much can you read? So yes, but I'm not a scuba. I didn't go back. I never went. Funny enough, I didn't do a certification, which is a, which is stupid because it would have been the perfect opportunity to do it. I did not, and I never mm-hmm. went diving again. Oh, there's still time. There's yes, still time. there is. There is. Yes, and now we're going to back. That was just a little interval because I want to go back to your bucket list. What oh. else is on there? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one that's been on the top for a long time. I'm gonna do that in uh, a month time when I first I get on a cruise in Sydney to go to uh, with 12 stops uh, along the way or 12 days i think it's 10 stops and then uh, ending up in 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 sydney and uh, now in um, in auckland new zealand so i'm going to spend 50 days in new zealand and uh, see how much i can explore and um, um, yeah that's been so so high on my bucket list will this be your first time in new zealand it will, yeah, and it's also now. I'm in Australia. It's my first time here as well, yeah. and it's both these countries have been on my list for so so long. When I was in Bali, when the pandemic came, it was actually my thought that I would go to uh, Australia, but then everything shut down, and uh, yeah. So I haven't been able to do it before now, and now I'm here, and I'm totally loving it, and I'm sure I'm going to love New Zealand as well. Well, all I can say is that um, when I used to do those Australia round trips, on one occasion, when we had more than 10 people adding a week in New Zealand, we would accompany them mm-hmm. as tour guides. And I, so I have been to New Zealand for one week. I did New Zealand in one week, basically, like the Japanese would do with Europe in one week or in two weeks. So mm-hmm. I've seen, basically, I've seen that it's very, very beautiful, but I have to go back because there is so much, so much beauty, so much to see. Yeah. You're going to yeah. love it. Love it. I am sure I will. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 
and 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 hopefully because I I found something that's very rare to have the perfect uh, travel companion, uh, somebody uh, that uh, travels in the same style and. Uh, uh, it's a good friend of mine. Uh, she's a lawyer from uh, uh, from Florida. We got to meet there, and uh, and in twenty uh, yeah a year ago when we were in uh, Saudi Arabia, we did that trip together. And then since then, we've also done uh, Ghana, Togo, Benin, back to Togo, back to Ghana, Sao Tome, back to Ghana, and we've done Azerbaijan, Georgia, and Armenia uh, trip. Uh, so we've done a few trips. I'm doing my best to persuade her uh, that uh, she should uh, get uh, on that cruise with me, and then hopefully we can do another road trip, um, um, in and then do that in in New Zealand. And crazy, crazy. Listen, time has been passing very quickly. I could talk to you for I don't know ten hours here, but we're getting <laughs> to the end. But I have a question, Bale. How long are you going to do this? You know, you're not getting any younger, don't people? <laughs> <laughs> people are asking you that question. Okay. Okay. Here's my thoughts on that. Because when I started traveling, I thought it was going to be two years when I did the planning thing. Uh, yeah, two years. Actually, in the beginning, I called it uh, my project around the world in 80 weeks, but that's just a year and a half. So, okay, that was not enough. So, and then at the time I left, I said, oh, it's probably going to be four years of traveling. Now it's been six and a half. And then I started saying, well, it's until one of my kids starts, quote unquote, producing grandchildren for me. I'm 58. My kids are 26 and 28. And they say, oh, you have another 10, 15 years because it's not going to happen anytime soon. Maybe it'll never happen. So, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling, oh, come on. Not that I want to stop traveling, but yeah, I also want grandkids that my, my, I can see that some of my friends. So I'm, I'm teasing them with that and saying, oh, come on, get, get on with it. But, um, I don't know, Elizabeth, to be honest, I really don't know when I'm going to stop traveling full-time. I've heard from other full-time nomads that when you get to the 10-year mark, you kind of hit a point where you think that you want to have a base again. And right now, I don't have a base. I don't have an address. I'm not a resident anywhere, and I'm enjoying myself, and I like it. So maybe just by knowing that it's going to come at 10 years, not saying that it will. I might, I maybe I'm able to push it a little bit further. But then at the same time, also, um, I might just change the way I travel and slow down because I'm still traveling quite fast. 22 was insane. Looking back, yeah, it was crazy. I did 37 countries, if I count the ones that I went back to. And I moved 102 times in you know, within 12 months. So that was extreme. And I'm not going to do that this year. I'm, I'm going to slow a little bit down. And sometimes when I, I don't feel the hunger to go out and explore, I slow down and say, I just want to find a place where nothing happens and stay there for a couple of weeks to get the hunger back because I don't want to see myself walking, uh, traveling around New Zealand and being full and not hungry and saying, okay, if that waterfall, I have to walk a kilometer. Oh, I can't be bothered. It has to be right where I get out of the car. Otherwise, no, that would be a disaster if I get to that point. So I need to appreciate uh, what I see. 
I don't know. I just go by my feeling. I don't know when I'm going to stop. Ask me again in a couple of years. I might have an answer for you. I was only teasing you because I also believe <laughs> that um, I'm 62 and I have no intention of, okay, I, I don't live like but you. I, 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 but I tell you uh, one thing that's for sure, because when I lived in Denmark, I had a, a nice house. I'm never going to get a big house again because mm-hmm. I'm getting so used to living in small places uh, where I yeah, just a small Airbnb and I don't want to put my money, which I don't have a lot of into a big mortgage and all that comes with that. I, I, I can settle for a lot less. And then I, even when I have a, a base again, I still know that I will get itchy feet and there will still be places that I want to go to and I still be places I want to go back to. So I would not spend my money on, on a big fancy place to stay. I, I can settle with a lot less. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, I, this, this thing about saying I'd rather have a passport full of stamps than a house full of stuff. Um, that is definitely <laughs> works for me as well. And uh, I'm always saying like, I keep fit. I do a lot of exercise and I swim in the winter and I do those. And the reason is because mm-hmm. I want to be able to run up that the airplane stairs when I'm 90, you know, the ones that are not mm-hmm. docked to a finger dock, the ones that very, because um, I don't think that people like you and me will, ne- it, it will ever end. I think there will always be a desire, maybe as you say, slow down a little bit, but I think the desire will always be there. I think so. Absolutely. And it, it it also slows down time for me. I did a whole um, a little uh, TEDx uh, online talk about this, that it, it was weird when I got to Cape Town. I'd been traveling for three and a half years. A friend of mine that I was, when I was back in Denmark before going to Cape Town, uh, he said, oh, have you been traveling for a year? And I said, no, I've been traveling for three and a half years. And he wouldn't believe me. He said, come on, you just left. Say no, I've been traveling for three and a half years, and but for me it feels like ten years, mm-hmm. and that that made me think that it's funny that ten years, uh, yeah, it, it, one year for him would feel like ten years for me, uh, and I looked into it, and it's because I put my brain to work every single day. Where where do I turn on the lights? Where do I shop? How do I say butter in Albanian? Um, what uh, where do I go? And uh, when you're living in the same place and doing the same thing and going shopping the same places, you're more or less on autopilot. And the older we get, the faster time flies. But I found this way to slow down time. Um, and I feel when I when I tell you that it's been six and a half years, it's just looking back at the last 12 months, I can't believe that it's only been a year. And when I lived in Denmark, a year would go by just by snapping my fingers. Uh, so, yeah. Fantastic. I think this is the perfect way to end this interview. Traveling to slow down time and and uh, take, get more out of life. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Palebo, for being on Most Memorable Journeys today. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.